beautiful listeners. Welcome to this week's podcast. You're listening to your least favorite podcast. My name is Shandra Reza, and I'll be hosting this episode, Artist Anna Arising. Hope you guys are doing very well. I'm going to let Anna take the floor. By the way, am I pronouncing it right? Your name? It's, I, I pronounce it as, as Anna. Oh, Anna. Okay. All right. So A lot I of just people say over. Anna. All right. <laughs> Perfect. It's well, all right. Um, you have the floor. Let us know. I want to know, firstly, just establishing who you are outside of singing. Are you someone maybe just like some, some tunes? Are you a creative? Are you an environmentalist? Like, I just want to know who we have today. I feel like outside of singing, I am just a regular girl who loves to listen to a lot of Taylor Swift. Chill with her cat, who, by the way, is in the background today. They are looking for salt. Oh, my goodness. And her name's Boo, and I love to watch a lot of murder mysteries. Just a regular girl. Love it. What? You, you're, you're excited about it. Yes, because, I mean, I don't know any young woman who doesn't um, listen to that. Yeah. Just <laughs> do, you, do you watch Billy Therian? I don't. I don't, but we're going to have to you talk. You should. About she's, on, she's on YouTube. You should watch her. Okay, I will. Beautiful. Um... <laughs> I know that a lot of solo artists that come from bands don't love to talk about that part of their career, but I would love to have like just a trailer, a snippet of that. Departing from a band and establishing your solo career, I just want to know what that looks and feels like, because I know there's a lot of like, when any person in the media has done something previously, whether it's some work or whether it's a tv show a lot of fans like to say like oh but what remember when you did this it's like i remember but i'm doing this right now so let's talk about this how does that look and feel and would you ever go back to being a bit in a band you know what i've thought about that because people will remember you as oh a part of the band they don't remember you as a single person now or as a solo artist now but for me, it was incredibly lonely because people had associated me with the band. And when I separated from that, at first, they didn't even notice that I was gone. And I, I was so hurtful. It was so hurtful. I was like, oh, what is happening? Why aren't they noticing? Because these guys were putting out music and nobody was noticing that I wasn't there. And I had to be like, um, could you guys please at least let them know that I'm not there any longer. And, but for me, it has been very incredibly lonely. Um, Cause that is what it feels like. You're starting your career over again. You have to build yourself up again. And it, it was, it was just really sad for me, but I think I'm doing better. I, I think the best part of this is that you get to uh, release music that is, uh, that expresses your own story. Absolutely. At first, with the, with the band, it was mostly you have to be careful about what you're saying in your music and what you represent as an all-girl band. Yeah, because there's uh, a lot of diplomacy that comes with that. You guys have to be this perfect, political, um, approving yeah. of all sides. But now you have your own ground. You have your own mic, literally and, like, musically, um, to speak in, like... <laughs> So I guess it's a no to going to a band, going back to a band as for now in the near future. I think that if I would, just like any other artist, I would have a band, but I would 
represent your dad. Not like an all-girl band or anything of that sort. Yeah. That's so interesting because when you left, I immediately was like, oh, it's going to be so different. That dynamic is going to be different. The fact that they didn't make it a thing, it felt very corporate almost then. That like, oh, you're leaving, you're departing, she's no longer with us musically. That feels so like, let's let's be quiet about it. Let's be mute. Let's not like make a, a ruckus about it. So then they can just kind of like have a smooth transition to bring on another band member. I don't like that. <laughs> but it's all right. I, I don't blame them because I think they were also learning how to adjust to all of that because it was a very sudden decision um, where we just met and we were like, okay, I think this is not working because since a very long while, there were we were a band of 10 girls and everybody kept leaving every year. So we really got used to the idea that, oh, this person is leaving, now someone has to take the responsibilities of that person. Mm-hmm. And I got very tiring at one point. Um, so I think when this happened, the lead singer leaving, it was it was a big shock to them, and they had to adjust to that. I don't blame them for it. Yeah. So it took a while before they had to announce that. Uh, question to you then. Do you feel like what happens with like maybe One Direction or Fifth Harmony, do you have any solo artists that leave or maybe when the band completely um kind of goes takes their own roads do you look to them as as examples to see what steps they took i i I don't i haven't looked at them in that way because even with them i think they still struggle because one even harry styles or any one of them they're still remembered as, oh, you were a part of One Direction. I think they themselves struggle with it. Yes. Um, but the only thing that you can learn is what path they took and what decisions they made to make themselves, like, they could represent themselves and they could put themselves forward. Like, oh, I'm this now, and you have to accept this. Yeah. But I haven't really looked into that. I'm st- I think I'm still finding my way around all of this. And I think it's like, it also doesn't help because I think, Music is so, like, it's, it's almost like water. Like, there's, like, no defining lines anymore in terms of genres and, like, artists or collabing of all kinds. So we're always changing um, as human beings, as our music taste. So even that, like, fans do not support change. <laughs> they do not like you. They like to be in, for you to be in their own, what they have dreamt up in your head. And if you don't come out to be like mm-hmm. that, they're disappointed and it's so hard to fulfill that um we're gonna come back to that and like the challenges of that but let's make it a little lighter for a moment your um song company this is my favorite question Uh to ask anyone what color does that come off as if if it was a color yeah in my head it's yellow interesting like like a bright yellow, like a tinted yellow. What are we thinking? Like a bright yellow. Okay, because because me, I think yeah. it represents for me it represents freedom. Similarly, yes. Like for me letting too. go of someone, like just just being done with someone's shit and be like, yeah, bye. <laughs> it represents a bright yellow. Like better days are here now. Yeah, um, I, I would say mine's not too far off. Then mine is more like a, like a minty green or maybe like a very like um why is minty pastel green? green. I'm not sure. That that color just is very refreshing for me. It's very, like, calming, but also, like, awakening. 
whenever I see that color. So I just associate that co your song company and that color so close to each other. I hope that's not insulting. <laughs> oh no, I would expect people to pick like darker colors because it, I, I was at Berkeley recently and I had the song class and I showed that song to everybody and I thought, well, this is my most upbeat song currently because I write sad songs and there was and they listened to it and they were like, at the end of it, they were like, this is your upbeat song? Oh my god. Like, what do you mean? Once again, redef like defining <laughs> songs, it's so hard. Alright, um, <laughs> cool, cool. Tell me about when you started doing this full-time or professionally or career, whatever you want, word you want to slap on there. When was it like hobby turned serious? Yes. I have to tell this in portions. Um, from, but from what my mom tells me, I was doing this since I was a child. Do you remember? I don't know if you were, if you grew up here, but there was like this Wall Street truck and the ice cream truck and they had this, you didn't grow up here, no. but they had this melody that would go like, na 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 and I butchered Yes, that, I but, have visited Pakistan uh, though and yes, I know that. I know that melody. You, well, when I was a kid, I would make up lyrics on top of that, and I, I'm pretty sure that they were terrible, but my mom tells me that is, that I think, looking back, that might be like the start of my love for songwriting, and, and in fifth grade, fourth and fifth grade, I started writing in fourth grade, um, because I started having these words in my head and I had started getting melodies in my head and I was trying to understand what was happening and then in fifth grade my dad got me this toy piano and around that time one of my teachers was leaving school and everybody around me was so sad about it and for some reason I wasn't so I put myself in this competition of being more sad about um I was like, oh, oh, no, I need to be sad. So I ended up writing a song for the very first time Wow. on that piano. But I, I didn't um, show it to everybody. And, that, and fifth grade was also, the, like, the first time that I sang in front of everybody. I convinced my best friend um, to sing Love Story by Taylor in front of everybody. Wow, bold. But nobody responded. Aww. Nobody responded. Because I think it was break time after that. So they left for that. I was like mean <clears throat> and then i think it was in eighth grade and ninth grade that i started putting up songs on soundcloud and that was when i got a lot of people listening to it and it was interesting yeah. and at the same time i saw nest cafe business that that is when i decided to take it professionally wow um i w one of my best friends because i saw nest cafe basement on youtube i messaged one of my friends i was like this is very interesting. I want to be able to do this. And he sent a message to Zulfi Mare, who is who was the producer of the show. And he was like, Well well, so what's the procedure to get in here? And around that time they were taking um, online auditions and I was having my exams and I was like, This is not the way. And after a while I sent in my audition and, and Zulfi Mare um, spoke to me and he directly messaged me and was like well, this is interesting, could you do more of this and do more of that, you want to see the thing more covered, and then he called me in, and I think I was in Islamabad for a <coughs> holiday, and he was like, well, Anna, did you, did you check the page, did you check the Nescafe page, and I was like, no, what's up, and he 
like you should go and check. And I was sliding through that, and I saw my name, and I was like, oh my god. Oh my god. But that was when I took it professionally, but before that, um, I also went to Pakistan Idol, and I don't tell people this, I went to Pakistan Idol when, I think, I don't remember how long ago this was, but I started NETCAP at 15, so this must be before that, but um, I saw that Pakistan Idol was happening, and around like, like a day before the auditions were supposed to happen, I convinced my mom to take me there, though she didn't know what I was talking about, and the next morning, I got up at like 5 a.m., got dressed, and I was like, my mom was sleeping, and I, I woke her up, I was like, yeah, we gotta go to this thing now, and it yeah. was in the summer, so it was super hot. And I made her stand in a, like a huge line uh, oh. for the auditions. I went in there, and I didn't think that I could sing in English, so I chose this song. It was it was it was so cringe, but um, it was from that film Ashiki, uh, the the really popular song Sunjai. And I was yeah. Like, Ooh, and I sang that, and I was so terrible. I was so terrible. Were you but terrible, or were you being humble? What? Were you terrible, or are you being humble? Oh no, I was terrible, because I was with another girl, and she sang the same song. Apparently, everybody at that audition was singing that song, and everybody was obviously so much better than I was, because that was not my thing. And But but the only good thing that I got out of that was that they showed my back twice in the ad. Wow. That's the only thing that I got out of that audition. Okay. So but I didn't get selected. Oh, so, okay, so you didn't get selected. What did you take from that in order to, like, improve, do better? How did you apply whatever you learned from that experience? Um, at first I was just really sad. But that was a point where I realized that, oh, this is not the language that I'm comfortable in. I don't have to force myself to push myself in this way just because everybody wants to listen to that. Mm -hmm. I think I accepted that part, and I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on what I am good at. Yeah. And practicing when you were, like, writing your songs, songwriting and all that, that was done mostly in English? Yeah. Okay, so where did the comfortability come from that? Because I know a lot of people that do know the language in Pakistan do know English very well and doubt themselves in that. So were you just taught English at a young age, or, like, were you fascinated by the language? How about did that come? Um... Starting, my brother really got me into English songs, and I, I was really fascinated by that. And then in fifth grade, I think that is when I started singing. I had an English teacher, and her rule was to that you couldn't speak English in class. And oh. if you were, you were going to be fined. <laughs> you were going to be fined. So that was around the time that I got really comfortable with the language, and I I was really really bad at English from the start. Oh. I, I had I had my friends that would help me in class because I was that bad at Urdu, so it wasn't a thing that um it was it was a thing that was always there just me being bad at Urdu, so I was never comfortable with the language, but English was something I was comfortable with, so I started writing that. Okay. In that language. Isn't that the thing with Islamabad people that like they don't they're like burgers and they don't like to be like culturally I guess like. I don't know. I, I visited Pakistan like two years ago, and they were like, "You're." They thought I was from Islamabad or Lahore because of my accent and my, um, I guess my the way I, I walk or talk. 
um, for them to come to and find out that I'm from Canada. But the, I guess they have a lot of inspiration from outside culture, Western. Is that a stereotype that lives to be true or not so much? Um, I think people like to label that, mm. but I, I, I don't think they really know the meaning of a burger, because if you search it up, it means that you're unaware of your surroundings and what is happening around you. Oh, so not quite. That is the, that is the real meaning of a burger, but people like to say it just because you live in your bubble. Right. It's interesting. But right. I, I grew up in Lahore. Yeah. Do you feel like because you've been doing this for a while now and started at a younger age than most do, that you have some sort of benefit, or has the industry changed so much, and because it's saturated, it doesn't give that same advantage? I really think, unless you have the access to the resources, that will enable you to get ahead in your career. I, I don't believe that starting earlier or younger, necessarily, it gives you an advantage over anybody else. However, being surrounded by the right people, that is more crucial and that is something that is overlooked. I believe I was fortunate in that sense because I began at Nescafe Basement. So I was surrounded by people who were at the top of their careers and they were willing to support my growth. And these guys had the connections, they had the experience and access to the resources that could benefit us in the longer run. Uh, let's talk about your music making process and three questions here. What does that entail? How do you know when the song is done, complete, ready to release? And are you independent or are you with a label? Okay, first of all, I am independent. Okay. And my music writing process is very different each time. Um, for example, um, first time that I think the first ever song that I released was with After Nescafe Basement that I did right on my own was one that I did with Hatim. It was called Back from the Start. But I stopped my on for that, which means that he sent me the music for it, mm -hmm. and I wrote on top of it. Okay. Um, that was, like, one way of doing it. The other time, it was um, I usually get inspired after midnight. That is when my overthinking starts. So I get ideas in my head, and I get on my piano, and I start writing stuff. Um, or if I feel like there are words in my head and there are melodies in my head that are going around, I need to record them right there and then before I forget them. Mm -hmm. um, but if I am very uninspired, I will open up Logic Pro and I will use the samples and I will write whatever comes in my head on top of that. And if I get an idea from that, if I get something that I can make out of that, I will. I will bring that, I will scratch the samples and I will bring that idea to the studio and, oh, we need to work on this. Mm -hmm. um, but usually, I think most of my songs remain incomplete. Not incomplete in the sense that I never finish them, but there are some that I wasn't ever able to finish because I couldn't um, understand what the ending might have been. But yeah. you can really tell when the song is at its end. Um, the last song, for example, um, I think I'd like to think was something that was incomplete. I was like, oh, I need to do this. I need to finish the song. I had the chorus for it ready already. I had written it a while ago, and the verses weren't done. So I think before the day that I had to go into the studio, I wrote the song. I, I made the structure in my head. I was like, we need to get done with this, and we need to put it out. Yeah. But it's, it's always different. Okay. 
Yeah, I would think so, because it's so um, up in the air. I mean, it's not like math and a math equation where you like input this and this and then you know that you're going to get something. It's more, do you feel like it's done? Do you feel like something's missing? And that that feels a little like scary, I guess just knowing, like, the pressures on you to decide when this is, but it's also very rewarding and, like, almost leadership-y in a way, like, oh, I get to decide when this is done, so it's, I guess, how you look at it. Okay, inspirations. I know, um, we are all, like, our own worst critic, but I want to know, are you, like, an inspiration for yourself and, or your motivation? Like, do you, try to be that for yourself or do you think you're you still try to look at um other artists or other individuals aside from you in order to motivate and inspire you for the most part who i am inspired by has always been taylor i love her songwriting i love how she has carried herself in this industry and how graceful she's been with all of that Mm -hmm. i adore that because what i see myself um, struggling through the same things, and I don't think I will be ever able to do that, but the way that she handles all the criticism and all everything about her personal life, yeah. I, don't, I think a lot of people go through that in the industry, whether it's low-key, um, but she's someone that I'm inspired by. I would really love to be on that level at some point in my life. Yeah, and I, I see the inspiration in, in many areas, from songwriting <laughs> to the way you carry yourself. The red lipstick tell, tells me it all. <laughs> No, but um, in a way that like you own it, you make it yourself. It doesn't look like oh a Taylor Swift impersonation, but oh ooh she got a little Taylor in her. That's cute. So it's really cool <laughs> how you can like make it your own. I think all artists need to learn that somewhere along the line in their journey of career or hobby. All right, so how do you interact and engage with fans, but also keep a healthy boundary and balance? been very interesting for me um i've met really creepy fans or like gotten creepy messages and some of them are nice some of them are really mean as well i remember that there was this one fan that i started speaking to i like being friends with my fans i think i've gotten like i made my best friend like the long distance best friend who was a fan first and then became my best friend um a lot of other friends that i made through these um from social media but I remember that there was a fan that was so mean to me. I was speaking to him, and then suddenly he goes like, you know what, Anna? You're not popular because of your own self. And I was like, oh, that's so mean. Oh, my God. And after that, I decided, okay, I'm going to read my messages and only reply to people that are nice. Mm -hmm. I will start deleting the ones that are so mean because I have this habit of going back and rereading all of that mean stuff. So I think at one point when I decided, okay, this is this is the boundary you need to set. You need to just like remove if you see a mean comment, if you see a mean message or a mean comment. You don't have to go back and read it. This is your, this is your profile. This is your space. Yeah. You can clean it of the hate. Yeah. But that is the sort. That is how I set my boundary. Yeah, it's really tough. Um, in Pakistan, we you guys don't have meeting greets. That's not a culture there yet, is it? Uh, no, but I did keep one once. Okay. I think a lot of bigger artists keep it because you know that a lot of people will show up. Yeah. The, the, the difference in fans here and there is um, the level of how... It, 
just how passionate they are about the year they harvest. Mm-hmm. A lot of people there abroad are very passionate about the people that they listen to. I don't think you get that level of here. Yeah, I think it's just because it's still so new. It's still developing, Mm -hmm. and the culture, people are trying to understand it, boundaries, respect, what it means to be a fan, what it means to be a stalker, (laughs) what it means to be maybe a stan. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's still developing, and there's almost this, like, entitlement when you are a supporter of someone. They feel like, oh, well, you owe this to me because I ultimately made you famous. I made you what you are today. And though that may be true on a scale, look at what you're receiving, what, look at what I'm giving you. You're not getting to touch me, you're not getting to be to harass me. You get to like be in my presence, which can be unsafe sometimes, so like appreciate that, please. I'm terrified right now. <laughs> yeah. I think people forget that we're also humans at the end. Oh yeah, for sure. Just because like it's been... it's getting a little bit corporate now so it's hard to see the human and the rawness also you just see this very like um, polished and like perfect um, individual so what can go wrong with them I should be allowed to like you know why am I telling this it's like you know (laughs) of course you know okay let's talk about what has been your greatest challenge and your most fulfilling accomplishment since pursuing this um i think most of the issues that i face have been mental mental blocks um for example i like since the start i have been terrified of going up on the stage and being able to express myself freely um that is something that i'm still learning to do for example like when i started my career my first performance was just me looking at my shoes because I was so scared of what everybody would, like, how everybody would react to it, what everybody had to say about me, and I think that is something that I struggle with, but um, I think once that I get used to it, I, I love being on the stage. I think getting past the fear is also my biggest accomplishment that mm-hmm. I'm doing because I finally do it, Yeah, and I get to do this. Would you call yourself, maybe, are you a social person? Are you an extrovert? Or are you more on the introvert end? I, I'm more on the introvert end. I get very anxious, and this is, like, my thing. I have, I have a lot of anxiety. I get anxious around people or talking. Yeah. Just anything that has to do with talking. I get very anxious. You chose a very interesting career. <laughs> I know. It's Sometimes I feel like I wasn't meant for this. That is something that goes on in my head. I'm like, Oh, maybe I'm very soft for this career. Maybe I should be doing this. Why did I select it? If real quick, if not music, then what? Then what? I really think that I could be a psychologist because I love to listen to people. Yeah. Oh, I can totally tell that. Like you're like not cutting me off like some of my guys. So it's like, yeah, I can definitely see that in you. You have that quality, <laughs> soft skills. It's interesting because if you don't mind me sharing my experience with music and performing, I, I'm an extrovert. I go all out. As you can see, I am an interviewer, a podcaster, like talking to people is my thing. But when I got onto stage, I freak out. My heartbeat gets really loud, really fast. I'm like shaking um, uncontrollably. Like you can put me in a straight jacket and I will like get that thing open still. Um, and I don't know what it is about like, I think 
I usually don't care about what people think about me, but I think it's the fact that I don't know what they're thinking about me, positive or negative, because mm-hmm. as an audience, the culture's like, oh, you're quiet now, and you're focusing on them. I would rather have tomatoes thrown at me as a sign <laughs> that you're enjoying it or not, and that relieves me of some tension or anxiousness, because it's like the unknown. I don't like that, which has been the toughest part of, like, I guess you can say my music mo- um, career. It's like... the the stage and that's where like most of the money is too like you're bringing in these fans and everything and i'm just like no i can't do it 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 is important to be a good entertainer at least that's what i've heard but a lot of people say that practice makes it better but i don't think that's happening no every time you go on stage it's the same feeling you're feeling anxious but i think it does get better you learn the ways how to handle it for yourself yeah. You 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 can you can um, acknowledge that you're feeling anxious. Yeah, yeah, I am feeling anxious. That's that's fine. But what am I gonna do about this now? How am I gonna um, entertain these people if they are getting bored? Also, I've learned to not look at people. Never look at them because you even as me as if I'm in the audience, maybe I am enjoying the performance, but I'm not very expressive. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. that's how they are as people, and even here, people are like that. They're not very expressive as the, as, um, the audience. Yes. Um, so, it's better not to focus on what they're thinking, just... I, someone told me, just imagine that you're in your bedroom and you're singing. That kind of helps. Yeah, I'll try that. <laughs> okay, quick question before we move on to the next one. Do you think you have stage presence, or is that something you have to build? How do you tell, even, if you have stage presence? Um, I think it's in the reaction of the audience, okay. if they're enjoying. Also, it's, I think for, um, it, it's a lot different when I see artists there and artists here. Um, as an artist here, you have to just hype up the crowd. Yes, it's all in you. You can't relate to them. You have to keep that boundary with them. You can't tell them your personal thing. For example, when you see Taylor or when you're seeing her on YouTube, um, when she's in a concert and she's speaking, you can relate to her. You can feel like, oh, you're there with her, even in some way or other. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, there, there's a huge difference. And I would really love to do that and not this, which just scream in a mic and be like, hi, Lahore, what's up? What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> so cringe for me. Oh, I know. But that is where, the, that is the big difference of stage presence here and there. This is cringe for me. I can't do this. Yes. And this is important here. It, it almost feels like a lot of motivational speaking than it is performing. It's just, like, hyping them up, getting them all, like, it, the blood flowing, and, like, it's like, why am I, like, a coach right now? I don't need to be, like, giving them a training session. I'm here to perform. Well, that is a part. Well, that is part of being an artist. You, you can be like, oh, hi, whatever, whatever. But getting you hyped up. Why am I getting you hyped up? Didn't you come here to watch me perform? Yeah. You hyped up before. <laughs> so interesting all right uh fill me in on what we are working towards is there an artist you would like to collab with a certain genre you'd like to tap into or maybe produce some mixed media what do you want to do in the industry um i am currently trying my best to leave this industry and go to the other one um, I recently got selected for um, South by South Festival in Austin as a showcasing artist. Um, so I'm, I'm 
that that is what I'm looking towards currently and um, making more music. I currently like my next song is supposed to be very pop rock. I'm I so excited. Doing, <laughs> I'm currently doing a lot of indie pop um, or anything that has to do with pop, but that is something that I want to go towards because I feel like that's where also the industry is heading. A lot of people are going mm-hmm. into going back into rock music. Yeah. Um, but that is where I'm heading towards now. And when you say other industry, do, do you mean just like a different genre or like an actual? I meant like the industry in America, like the music industry. Oh, okay, okay. I oh differentiate my... between our industry and that because there's a big language shift here and there. Okay, I did not know that, but that's really cool. I'm excited. Wait, excited to see you on the screens over there. Um, what changes would you like to see be made within the industry? in terms of, like, the process, in terms of, like, people, how things are handled, however, whatever, what would you like to be, what would you like to have change? Currently, I feel like, um, I've seen from producers and artists, they're just releasing stuff for the sake of releasing stuff. They're not focusing on what they have to say in their songs or what the melody sounds like because everything apparently sounds the same these days um they're just releasing songs because they want to put out music and for people to hear them and just get more streams they're not focusing on um the quality aspect of music yeah that's kind of annoying for me and the same with producers i've seen people do not want to learn about what they're doing or the art they're producing People are getting samples from um, from the internet, and they're just and they're mostly like a copy of some other song or something, and they're gonna write over that. They're they're not even going to sing properly. They're just gonna auto tune their vocals and they're gonna put it out. Mm-hmm. And so, I feel like that's that's that, that's something that I would really like to see changing here at least. Yes, I guess what you're you can say what you're saying is like a lot of. Um, copyright protection a lot of more like uh authentic work work from the ground up not like bsing it um and yeah i would say that that's something i would like to see a change overall in all um sorts of media i think why it's so hard to regulate is because once again art is so fluid it's so hard to track but I feel like that's not an excuse also to just allow anyone to steal someone's, ultimately someone's song, someone's work, someone's art, and just like write over it. Like it's a blank canvas because it's not. But um, that's a good one. Uh, we, we're down to our last question. Are we ready? How do you carry your image, whether it be an artist, a woman, a creative, and differentiate that from what the public sees you as and paints you as. So what I'm trying to say, I guess, is how do you know when you're being Anna and when you're being an artist and not to, like, mash the two um, in order to please other people? Um, I think I still struggle with that because it's very hard to separate the, the two but um I know I'm very confused how to answer this wait 
could you repeat the question again? Yeah, just like differentiating yourself from public image and knowing your own identity. Because I think there's a difference from like, like, I guess I'll say this, there's a public persona and then there's mm-hmm. who you are as a person. So is that different or are they the same person? One of them is just like captured on the internet while the other one has some private moments. I think that I try my best to be as real as I can on the internet. Obviously, I don't share the really personal things because those are personal. You can't do that. But um, I feel like what people take from that or what I portray is not the best that I could because people think that I'm very closed off and that I might be mean or intimidating, which is not true. And in real life, I'm not that person very anxious i i love um having people come up to me and being just being able to be nice to people is mm-hmm. something that i like and i don't think people take away from that so that is that is where i can differentiate myself okay yeah i know that's a tough one i think whether you're in the public eye or not I'm always, like, doubting myself. Am I authentic enough? Am I being true to myself? Am I adjusting to somebody else's um, preference or what have what have you? Um, and I think just it, it's this balance of, like, wanting to be real but also not wanting to expose every bit of you to the public. Uh-huh. And just trying to find that balance. Because I, I, it's really hard when you do have things about yourself that you don't want to share. And people tell, would tell you, oh, you're just not real. You're not honest. You're a fake. Um, when you're not those things, they're just some things you don't need to share. Um, which is a tangent that I can go on and be another episode. But thank you for sharing that. Um, those were all the questions I had. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to let the listeners know, if you wanted to let them know, like, your Instagram handle, when to expect some new releases. Oh. Um, well, <laughs> I released a new song. It's called New York, so everybody should go listen to yes. that. And my Instagram handle is Anna Salandar, which people would think is Salamander, but it's not. Um, and, yeah. I'm just looking forward to also releasing my new song, Miracle Worker, which should be out in the next month or so. Excited. But that is what I'm looking forward to, and thank you for everybody that is listening to this podcast, and thank you to you for having me here. Thank you. Well, uh, thank you for taking out time. I know you're very busy. You have a lot going on. Um, You got this career going for yourself. And yeah, that was Anna, guys, so check her out, beautiful listeners. That cues the end of this episode.